If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked. It's IGN's weekly Xbox show, episode 627, for January 10th, 2024. I'm Ryan McCaffrey joining you from San Francisco alongside, well, soon to be LA resident, <laughs> Stella Chung. Good morning. Good morning. And Destin Legary, current LA area resident. Hello, my friend. Bam. Hey, everybody. Good to see you, Ryan. Good to see yes. you, Stella. We are, we are off and running with a new year. Microsoft is off and running with a, a big announcement of a developer direct, which we're going to talk a lot about in a second. But I did just want to take a quick second. I know lots of you have probably beaten me to this by weeks, but I finally rolled credits on Alan Wake 2 the other night. Uh, and I just wanted to one more time say how freaking amazing that game is. I am not sad at all about voting for it uh, for a number of things. It, I think it's the best game Remedy's ever done, and and I'm a big Remedy fan, going back to Max Payne One. So, uh, I, it, Sam Lake is that dude. I think is is underrated as a narrative storyteller in video games. And if you have any interest in good narrative games and or in survival horror games, play Alan Wake Two. Yes, it would be ideal if you played Alan Wake One first, but you don't have to because the whole Alan Wake Two story. Is, is basically played from the perspective of Saga Anderson, who wasn't there for Alan Wake 1. It's a really clever way that, uh, that Remedy kind of filled the gap over the, over the last 13 years between Alan Wake 1 and Alan Wake 2. So there it is. There's my, my long-awaited final word on Alan Wake 2. Next, I'm going to move to, as I said, and Stella, we're going to have to book club this thing. Hellblade <laughs> 1, it's time. Yeah. It's time. I know, I know. Actually, I made the mistake yesterday of starting Red Dead Redemption 2 for the very first time. Uh, oh no, so you're going to be in that for a while. I really like it. And I, do, I don't want to take away the conversation from it, but like, oh my god, the prologue. So oh, a few people warned me like, oh, it's going to be very slow in the beginning. It didn't feel slow. All the characters feel so organic. Like, I didn't even realize I was in a hunting um 
tutorial until I realized, oh, they're teaching me a mechanic, but it felt so natural. And the conversation, oh my God. Anyways, yeah. So um, yeah, I kind of messed up, but I'm doing I'm doing extra credit, okay? So yes. no, Red Dead Man, yeah. It's uh I very good game. I, I can't begrudge you so playing good. that game. It's it's uh it's phenomenal, I think. Did it? I can't remember if it won. I think it lost IGN's Game of the Year vote very narrowly to The Last of Us that year, I think. Oh, wow. 2018, I believe. Yeah, I'd have to double check that, but that's what my brain says. Uh, all right. Uh, the reason, and part of the reason that I need to play Hellblade 1 now is because we might be about to get a Hellblade 2 release date, which will hopefully be sooner rather than later. So as I said at the top, the Xbox Developer Direct is back. Uh, it did get announced. It is happening one week from today as of this show airing. So it's going to be Thursday, January 18th, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. And I will tell you that we will be doing next week's Unlocked live immediately after. So watch along with us on IGN starting at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Watch the Developer Direct with us. And then as soon as it ends, it'll come right to uh, the three of us. Khalif will be joining us next week as well. So it'll be great to have him back for his expert analysis on this as well. And there are uh, several games that are going to be part of this. The one that's part of it but not is Elder Scrolls Online, which is going to be getting its own dedicated stream immediately following the Developer Direct. But we're going to go on the air right after the Developer Direct. So. Um, we have chosen that path rather than waiting till after ESO. But ESO, there, so presumably they'll be showing off their next expansion. And then uh, there are a few other games to sort through. So let's talk about those. Destin Legary, the first mm -hmm. one that jumped out at you is probably the first one that jumped out at me. That is Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. So we're going to actually get to see not only gameplay, of the Indiana Jones game, but the developers are also gonna give us a little bit of behind the scenes, more details about game development and what went into making this property. So I am very, very excited. It looks like you actually have the, the text from the website on the run of show, so real quick. Indiana Jones Game Machine Games, the award-winning studio behind the recent Wolfenstein series, will reveal their upcoming Indiana Jones game, an action adventure that puts players in the leather jacket of the legendary archaeologist. Developer Direct will showcase more than 10 minutes of game and developer insights, including details about the game's setting and story, how fans will actually play as indie, spoilers, third and first person. Uh, additional details from his next globe-trotting adventure and the premiere of the first gameplay trailer. The leak said, the leak said that I'm not like NDA breaking or anything like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I am ridiculously excited for this because you know i was hoping we would see it like at the showcase last year maybe at the game awards and the fact that it is that, that it is going to be right in this developer direct in one week's time mm -hmm. it it tells me well a i just i want to see what machine games has been cooking with this remember todd howard is the executive producer on this too because he's been he's had a passion pot project brewing about Indiana Jones in his head for years, and this is him finally getting to, to, to actually make that. But the other exciting piece of this is, it's not a guarantee, but every game in the Developer Direct last year came out 
in 2023. I think it's highly, highly, highly likely to the point where I would bet lunch that Indiana Jones is coming out in 2024 if they're showing it. Oh, really? Developer Direct. Stella, do you agree with that? Disagree with that? When? What's? How do you feel about mm. uh, about this reveal coming up? I don't. I mean, this is the first reveal, so I I don't know if it's going to be out this year. I I, I still want to say next year. I I'll be happy to be wrong. Um, I'll be happy to to give you your lunch. Which, by the way, <laughs> we need, we need a tally of how many lunches you have lost and how many you've gained. <laughs> it, it's probably all evened out by this point. Let's. Okay. Uh, but yeah, maybe maybe there should be an in and out lunch. For with uh, yes. before you leave for LA, right? We should get some oh, IGN yeah, people let's together. Do it. That'd be fun. Yeah. Well, then uh, prove me wrong, please, <laughs> so that I can buy them in and out. <laughs> I guess we'll, maybe we'll find out next Thursday, right? I'm not necessarily expecting yes. them to give a release date, but hopefully they'll at least say something like summer 2024, more likely fall 2024, okay. um, would be my guess. But but yeah, uh, Destin, what like what do you? What do you think this is going to be, this video game? Oh, I have no idea. I think it'll be a lot like, like I just can only imagine Uncharted. But you have a very interesting note about one of my <clears throat> favorite games ever made. Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay on the OG Xbox. Apparently the Starbreeze team who made that are also working on the Indiana Jones game. And that has me incredibly hyped. That has me more hyped than the fact that Todd Howard really likes Indiana Jones like, <laughs> and has built this pitch forever. Knowing that that team is working on this, that has me very, very excited. If you've never played that game, it's oh, probably... You, yeah. you, you should. You absolutely should. And it was remade I, on the 360. So I would, yeah. I would personally put Riddick, Escape from Butcher Bay... I'm going to boldly say, I think it's in the top five of original Xbox games. Oh, Ooh. potentially, That's how yeah. Okay. Because it's yeah. easily the top ten. It's like no question, mm -hmm. absolutely top ten, but I think it is, it's probably in the top five. What you know, they, got what they Halo, did with Halo that. Halo 1 and 2. Go ahead, Destin, go ahead. Just what they did with that technology-wise is so impressive, and it's so good. It has all the like actors related to the series lended their voice like vin diesel's in there and and the other supporting actors like uh there's a famous rapper in there and the the main antagonist from the films is is in there also which is another famous actor i'm blanking on but uh really really great game and it was about the tech at the time i i love escape from butcher bay it's phenomenal well, i mean it wasn't just the tech but you're right like that game it was one of the most spectacular looking original xbox games mm -hmm um easily but it boy did it have the the gameplay and the and the design yeah to back it up and it was yeah i just wanted to throw that note in there just to kind of remind all of us that it was that core team at starbreeze because starbreeze is who made riddick it's that core group that left and formed machine games and made these last two wolfenstein games and then you know the couple of expansion packs as well so that's that's where machine games came from is is the riddick team so that and which is it's probably not a coincidence that both of the wolfenstein games are are freaking awesome too great story driven single player first person shooters and so yeah that's uh i cannot wait to see what they do with indiana jones i i don't want this to get aggregated by by people so i'll phrase it this way i I, I have heard a thing about Indiana Jones that if it's true, it's going to make me personally like even more excited to play this. 
So uh, we hmm. should uh, that that question should get answered uh, on next Thursday at this developer direct. But yeah, I I, I might be breathing heavily into a paper bag during <laughs> during that live stream. Like if we if we keep a camera on me like in the corner during the developer direct, and if Indies as good as as I. And basically, I will, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm expecting it to be great based what? on the pedigree of the studio. I can't wait for this thing. What if it's this year's Hi-Fi Rush and they're just like, and it's available now? Oh, my God. I don't <laughs> Ryan just no faints during our reactions. <laughs> yeah. I would oh. probably just log off the lo- I just turn the camera off to go download the game. Oh, my God. Like, you guys take it from here. I'm going to go. I'm going to go play this. I, um, I think that's going to be Hellblade, personally. Hellblade 2, you, I think, will be the, the one that's coming out soonish. But, if if they well, do that at all, okay. Well, you don't think it's going to get shadow drop though, do you? No, well, I don't know if any will be shadow drop this year. There have been a lot of talks like something's going to come out early from this con. Like that's what everybody's saying online. I don't know how much credence we can give to those rumors. But if if I were to pick a game that that's going to happen with, it would be Hellblade Two because we've seen more of Hellblade Two than any of the other games, and. It seems the furthest along. This is the first time we're seeing Indiana Jones. I think this is a, a later in the year game. I agree with your assessment and Stella's assessment on that. Yeah. I wonder who's going to be voicing Indiana Jones, though. Do we know? That's a great question. It, it is highly likely that it's not Harrison Ford. Yeah. I mean, there's, I, I think that's, I mean, I'm not saying they wouldn't have the budget for it, but they might not want. 80 year old indie voicing yeah because he's probably not going to be 80 in the game right it's probably not going to be set <laughs> Imagine, wait that would be such a fun little like concept though. <laughs> i mean it, it's chris pratt probably... we all know it's chris pratt <laughs> stop, stop. Oh, God. no <laughs> i think it'd be great i'm not <laughs> oh my goodness no um yeah actually come to think of it has there ever been in an in an action or action adventure game, has there ever been a prota- a, a senior citizen protagonist? Or do we do we need that as a gaming first? Like I maybe it'd be really funny. Yeah, maybe yeah. Machine and game, then like break that, break that uh, glass age ceiling. Yeah, when you when you take fall damage, you know, um, they're they're there to pick you back up. <laughs> you have to press the little button, and they come help you. Isn't that Broken like the hit, premise of the stand. last movie? You're just describing the last movie, right? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Didn't in Dial of Destiny he gets shot like multiple times and he's completely <laughs> oh fine. Like I'm good. I'm 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 uh, 80 years old, but I've been shot multiple times. But I'm I'm totally fine. It's gonna be fine. Would you argue uh, that Indiana Jones is a superhero? <laughs> I mean, he's. You could make the argument that that yeah. he secretly is. <laughs> he's yeah. the Batman of archaeologists, I guess. <laughs> oh my god. I, yep. you know, oh, what, oh, what yeah, is eight oh. years ago. Why Chris Pratt is the perfect, ch- no, well, did we, re- this is, <laughs> so this is, this is before all the, you know, Chris Pratt voicing and being in everything was a meme. Like this, this is from eight years oh ago. Oh God. So this would have been Jim like, and Chris, hundred percent right. <laughs> Nailed it. Oh, oh my God. My goodness. Boy, they, this was a, that was a prescient video that they made. <laughs> My goodness, but no, um, we'll see. Yeah, it, it, so the, if if uh, maybe our younger audience, including Stella, might not remember, there was a very good Indiana Jones game made by by a studio called The Collective for the original Xbox. 
and it was excellent. Uh, that was a it was the third person action adventure game, and yeah, they just they got a sound alike to uh, mm. to voice Indy in that one. And I'd have to go back and and look at footage of it to to kind of see if I don't remember if the sound alike was good or bad or just kind of indifferent. Um, I don't recall it him sticking out as either being like super perfect, like how you know indistinguishable from Harrison Ford, or totally terrible. So most likely it was somewhere in between. Was but, it uh, was it Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb? That, or is that sounds just a right. Movie? No, 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 that that rings a bell. Hold Original on. Xbox. Yeah. Wow. Xbox. Yeah, you're right. It is indeed the Emperor's Tomb. 2003, I think. Let's see. Hold on. Yep. 2003. So 20 years, 20 almost 21 years ago, that game came out. And there and was our also Super Producer Red showing footage of it right now on the video. Love it. Lego Indiana Jones. Was also yeah, that's again. the more one for sure. Boy, and this looked good twenty years ago. And boy, look how far we've come. It, <laughs> it, look how far we've come. So just think how good the new game from Machine Games is going to look. It's almost a lock that it's using ID Tech, that it's using ID Software's game engine, because that's what Machine Games has been using mm. for the last what six seven eight years on the wolfenstein games so i i mean it's it's not out of the question that they might switch to unreal engine 5 or something else but odds are pretty good if they're if they're familiar with the tools of id tech and their whole team is trained up on it that they probably are building this thing in id tech so it's going to look good because id tech has continued to look great from from Doom 2016 to Doom Eternal, and they even did a Series X patch for Doom Eternal that that just dials up the frame rate, dial clean, you know, dials up the visuals a little bit. So that uh, that is going to be it. So that's that's the headliner. Uh, I wonder if they'll open with it on the developer direct or save it for the last thing. That remains to be seen. But it's not the only big thing that we are going to see gameplay of at this developer direct. Avowed is also going to be getting some gameplay. So the description for the developer direct, courtesy of the Xbox Wire, reads, the team at Obsidian will share the first deep dive into the gameplay experience fans can expect in Avowed, Obsidian's upcoming fantasy action RPG set in the fantastical, vibrant, living lands. Learn more about how Obsidian's expertise in building worlds with deep themes, dynamic gameplay, and thoughtful reactivity come to life in Avowed, where players will have agency to make choices to shape every step of their adventure. Stella, avowed. Is this one, are you, where, where are you sitting with it now? Um, I want to see this and then I think I'll make a, a decision. Um, I don't know. I think it looks fun, but nothing about it is particularly compelling to me right now. I would want a really good like story-based game that I could dive into, and this could be it. You but are, I, I, that is going to be this. You're, yeah, you're pretty yeah. much guaranteed of that. I think I just didn't get like a very good grasp of it um, with this with this reveal. So I want to yeah. deep dive into gameplay, and I think that'll probably help me make a decision. It looks gorgeous. Like I love the environments, but I just don't know about the gameplay yet. I don't know about the story. So for me, I'm just like, okay, well, we'll see. Maybe maybe I'll pick it up. I don't know. Were you saying? That you love the outer worlds yes so odds are very good you're gonna love this too probably yeah <laughs> yeah odds are very very good 
yeah, I was part of that crowd that was like, oh, this looks different from what was first advertised, but I've come around to it. I understand that this is what they want to do. So I'm like, okay, let's see more gameplay. Let's see if something, if it's something that I can really sink my teeth into. Um, yeah, because I mean, this preview really didn't show much of what all you can do. So deep dive into gameplay, I think will help me make my decision. Destin, you were also a little vocal about, about that uh, visual style change from the original concept trailer yeah to to this uh to what it's actually looking like so how are you feeling going into the direct next week well they had an interview after my reaction to the gameplay i was like this is not what i was expecting at all in terms of gameplay in terms of visual style and they talked about that they said that they didn't just want it to look sort of like skyrim they kind of wanted it to have its own style and this is going to be a more linear bespoke experience where they're focused more on the storytelling and the narrative of the game with a lot of side stuff you can do if you want. So still, I know you've talked about how you really liked outer worlds, yeah. right? I always get outer worlds and outer wilds mixed up, but yeah, <laughs> you really liked outer worlds a lot. And that's sort of the scope that they're going for where there can oh, be perfect. a lot of stuff that you can do versus just an overwhelmingly long story as an example. So I, I am more hyped for this than I originally was when I reacted to the art style. Do I wish it was more like an Elder Scrolls type game? Yeah, I do. But I think the reason that it's not is because of that Oblivion remake or remaster or whatever they're working on. But well, from the, the rumor, right? From the no, from, from the, the FTC, FTC documents. documents. I mean, it's not really a rumor. I hope it's true. That would yeah. be that would make me. You know, I've always I've said a million times, Oblivion is my favorite Elder Scrolls game. So yeah, that would make me particularly happy. But yeah, I have to say, I'm I'm pretty jazzed about Avowed. Uh, again, not just to really see it in action instead of the, the gameplay montage trailer from that last showcase that we were just we were just playing there, but also again we. This already had been dated for 2024 at the showcase last year. So if it's being shown off at, at this direct, my hope is that it's going to be soon-ish, not necessarily like in a month or two, but maybe before the fall. Now, maybe it's going to end up still being the fall, and that's fine. I want Obsidian to take as much time as they possibly need to, to polish it up and make it awesome. But... The fact that it's being shown and we've seen it before lends me at least a little bit of optimism that it's coming sooner rather than later. But yeah, I mean, I think this this does stand a good chance of being a nice, this is going to sound dismissive of Avowed, and I don't mean it this way at all, but kind of a nice stopgap between now and when Elder Scrolls Six comes out in four or five years from now, uh, where you know, maybe it's it's not going to be as sprawling in any in either the geographical or sort of uh, quest sense of, of 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 Elder Scrolls. But if it's like Outer Worlds, which they've already told us it is in terms of it, it is a you know twenty five to forty hour kind of thing. But if it's with Obsidian's super deep, rich storytelling, that is. That is going to make me extraordinarily happy. So can't wait to see this one and maybe get a release date or hopefully at least a release window on Avowed. There was an important note in the Xbox Wire post before you go to the next game, actually. Yeah. They confirm that there is going to be an Activision Blizzard event later in the year in that post. So oh, I missed that. 
So this is the first event that we're getting for the year. We know that there's going to be another Activision-focused event later in the year, which is awesome because we just had BlizzCon where they just announced a ton of cool stuff. And there's going to be another event coming where we get even more information about what the plan is with Activision Blizzard, how those games are going to get integrated into Game Pass is something I hope they discuss. And that's great. Plus, they'll likely do something in the summer at Gamescom. Like, it is going to be a great year for Xbox news and info, especially just with the games that we know are in development or further along in development, like Stalker 2. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's an, you know, I, I, you make a good point there, Destin. I hadn't even, I kind of, in my Indiana Jones excitement, I'd forgotten <laughs> that, oh, yeah, uh, Stalker 2 had been had been mentioned as Q1 and yeah. the fact that it's not part of this developer direct maybe maybe means it's it's not it's going to be a little later in the year then I, I mean, kind of otherwise yeah go ahead I want to go back and watch the 2023 dev direct again because I feel like they talked about other projects like it wasn't just the four they had in the Xbox wire post or five or however many I feel like there were other things but I'd have to go back and refresh my memory um all right yeah okay well yeah we'll see if we get any stalker to anything out of this like that'll be Hopefully. that'll be one to keep an eye on but but yeah uh i'm pumped for avowed i think i think that is going to be a super i mean the odds of it uh, obsidian's track record suggests it's going to be really good so mm -hmm. uh and we know we're getting it sometime this year but we'll see if we get a release date the story is very good in that game so and then uh there are two more Ara History Untold, which is a you know, third-party exclusive, not maybe not as high-profile as as the other games that uh, that are in this developer direct, but it's Oxide Games and and uh, Microsoft saying here we'll hear from the leads at Oxide Games, a studio founded by veterans of the strategy genre and the creators behind classic strategy titles, including Civ Five, as they unveil exclusive new gameplay and share more details about the inspiration, key features, and road ahead for their upcoming historical grand strategy game. Well, I, I will admit, grand st strategy is not really my cup of tea, so this one's at the bottom of my list as far as these developer directs go, but that's okay. Not every game is for everyone. For, for other people watching this or listening to this, this might be their number one game to come out of the developer direct. Can't believe so, you, Ryan. How dare you? How dare How you have dare preferences? I not, like everything. <laughs> yeah. 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 I can't say I've liked strategy games either, but I know like my, my, I have, um, friend there so her and her husband they have like a monthly civ 5 playthrough and it's really funny they like post their characters like uh they post like what happened in the world and everything and it's really interesting but i'm just like i wish i could get into this but i know that this is not the kind of game that i would want to spend a lot of time in just because i think i'd be really overwhelmed yeah i mean i i've it I've been won over by strategy games before from time to time. Like when, uh, when Lord of the Rings Battle for Middle-Earth 2 came to the Xbox 360 during that, there was that window of time where strategy games were hot on Xbox 360 yeah. for a little while. Like Halo Wars was in that group. Um, I think Supreme Commander 2 was in that group or one or two others. And I ended up playing Battle for Middle-Earth 2 all the way through, I finished it. I completed the campaign on 
on Xbox with a gamepad, and it played pretty well. And of course, I, I um, did I review? I'm trying to remember if I reviewed Halo Wars back at OXM. That game's pretty good. Did I review Halo Wars, Wars 2 at IGN? I don't even remember. So anyway, but I played through them both. I So I do play the occasional strategy game. Um, but let's see. I, 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 I could it for- like it, but I don't like go out of my way to play strategy games. Like I played yeah. like tons of StarCraft when I first got a PC, the original StarCraft and Brood War and all that. Like that was kind of one of my first games. So I was super into that, but... Uh, Ara, maybe I'll check it out. I have played a few RTSs lately, and they're great. Like, they're still great. It's just, yeah. Yeah, and and given that we have seen Ara before at Xbox showcases, I think it is highly likely we'll get a specific release date for it at this Direct. I think since it, you know, it's, a, it's, a, mm. it's not as high profile of a game as these other ones, and so the fact that it is being included makes me leads me to think that we're probably going to get a solid release date for that one and and it'll go day one into game pass finally the other game we are uh, definitely expecting and then we can talk for a minute about whether or not we're going to get any surprises or shadow drops or both at this thing is hellblade 2 senua saga hellblade 2 Ninja Theory takes us behind the scenes at their studio in Cambridge to give us some insight on how they are crafting Senua's Saga Hellblade 2. The team will speak to the ambition and meticulous care involved in creating Senua's journey of survival. Notably not mentioned there, Stella, is gameplay. What do you think? uh, Yeah, you're right. What should we expect? I mean, I feel like we're going to, yeah, we're definitely going to get a look at you know, the character creation, how they decided to come around to making her second iteration, um, the, oh, the, the environment for sure, 100%. Um, talking about, you know, the, the setting and all that stuff. We're, we're definitely going to see, you know, how they crafted this game probably from, from the beginning, but I don't know. Yeah, with, with no gameplay, that's interesting unless they're going to splice that in there somewhere. But uh, it seems like if, if they're just giving us insight on how they're crafting it, uh, and the and like you said, quote, speak to the ambition and meticulous care in involving it. I think they're definitely going to do a spotlight on bringing back those psychologists and psychiatrists on how they got that feeling of oh my god, what is it? Uh, psychosis. 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 Yes, thank you. Uh, psychosis in the game. So they're probably going to give us a look at that again because it's been some time since people have talked about the first game and people some people may have missed the window to play this so maybe they're not aware of that element um so i definitely think there's going to be some of that but yeah no mention of gameplay maybe they'll just sprinkle in little bits and pieces here kind of like this in in fairness we did just get a new gameplay trailer a month ago at the game awards so (laughs) right there, there is that to consider what we didn't get at the game awards that we talked about on unlocked at the time we didn't get a release date. So if we're not being told to expect new gameplay, but this is part of this direct, Stella, how how confident do you feel that we will finally get that specific release date for Hellblade 2 here? You know what? I'm feeling pretty good about it. I want to say like fall, maybe late summer, like October around then. I, I I don't know. For me personally, I feel like that'd be a great time for this to drop. But how about you, Destin? Yeah. What do you think of uh, what? How confident are you that we're going to get a release date here? I think we get a release date. 
I'll, I'll be very blunt. I, I think we're going to get it. I think it's going to be sooner than expected. But I've also said this like for the last several months. <laughs> um, it's stop. We know it's 2024, at least a window. Like Q, if it's not Q1 or if it's not soon, just tell us it's the fall or something, you know, so that we can put that star on our calendar in the middle of the month, in the middle of the quarter or something. So we have like a window of when it's coming out. I am very excited about Hellblade 2. I think it's going to uh, be very impressive just based on that little snippet. But in terms of seeing more behind the scenes stuff, they've already been doing that for like the last year. Like Jurgens has this whole uh, blog or vlog, whatever you want to call it, where she kind of shows what it takes to do all the stuff that she's doing as a character. And it's, it's really, really awesome. But I am ready to hear from like the combat designer who did an interview back in like 2020 about advancing the combat and changing it. Like, show me that section during this dev direct. What have you changed? Because it was one of the bigger criticisms. How have the puzzle designs changed? Like, are you still doing puzzle designs? What is the, what is the gameplay like? How is that being developed? Because we've heard a lot about integrating these characters and how you're making photorealistic character models in the game. I want to know more about the core mechanics of the product at this point, and I hope that's what they go over. I'm gonna I'm gonna Goldilocks and the Three Bears this thing. Uh, Stella was reasonably confident that we're gonna get a release date. Destin was very confident we're gonna get a release date. I am. 99% confident we are going to get a release date for Hellblade 2. And that's not based on any insider information. I don't, I, if I knew how, when this game was coming out, uh, I would just hide it from all of you yeah. <laughs> because that's what I'd have to do. But uh, no, I don't know. But I, I just think we've seen this enough times. Uh, some folks like myself, like Destin, were, were a little frustrated that we didn't get a release date on that Game Awards gameplay trailer. The fact that they're including it in this developer direct, I, I will be completely stunned if we do not get a specific release date for Hellblade 2. And I'll, and I'll go one further. I think it's going to be sometime in the first half of this year, Q1 or Q2. I think it, it is going to hit, uh, you know, whether it's, March, April, May, June, somewhere in that window, I think it's going to be pretty soon. I don't think it'll be sooner than March because with a typically with a with a big game, uh, a big AAA game, you don't release you don't put the release date out like a month before. Typically, you've you've kind of got a, a runway for the marketing for the PR of at least a couple months. So I think I think March is the most optimistic uh, that I could possibly be, but I think it, it could stretch out to June, but I'll be I'll be surprised if it's past that. I think Hellblade 2 is going to be one of the first big games that we see on the Series X this year. Before January, we move on to our... Oh, go ahead, Destin. January 23rd. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> That's my pick. But it, it's, it's, yeah. it's out five days after the, uh, yeah. after the direct. Yeah. That would be great. Hey, I, <laughs> I like Stella said earlier, I'd be happy to be wrong. That would be a yeah. wonderful thing to be wrong about. But... Um, <clears throat> something tells me uh, it won't be out that soon, but I hope it is. Before we move on to our next topic, shadow drop or surprises? Obviously, Hi-Fi Rush was the big one in the 2023 developer direct. Stella, any? do you think there will 
that Microsoft will do that again, thus further cementing the expectation of some sort of shadow drop or surprise? Or do you think maybe that for that reason, they don't do that this year? Uh, looking at the things that we see on our list, I feel like we're not going to get a shadow drop. I, I actually agree with what you said. If a game were to, it would probably be Aura History Untold. untold. But I don't know. No, not, not nothing about this really... If they're sharing exclusive new gameplay for most of these things, it's like, why would you show that if it's going to shadow drop, right? People can just experience it themselves. I understand that some of it might be for uh, advertisement purposes, but I don't think we're going to get a shadow drop. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Do you agree, Destin? I think we get no shadow drops, but very... The rumor was that it was coming shortly after. So, I, and I think that game's Hellblade. Mm. I, again, I would love for you to be right. I would love nothing more. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would side, I would bet with Stella on that one. I, given that it's not quite as high a profile game, I think Aro would be the one to more likely get the either day of drop uh, or, you know, in the next week or two kind of thing. That That would seem to be... A little more likely, but uh, we'll all find out in one week's time. So we've just been super excited, super enthusiastic about this developer direct, stoked that it's happening. Let's turn to something we're not as excited about, uh, but very much merits discussion. And that is a first hands-on, the media has now played Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. And Destin uh, is the IGN representative who uh, was able to go down and do that. So to preface all of this, I have not played it yet. I have some strong opinions, though, based on watching Destin's footage and reading what he had to say about the game. Stella hasn't played it yet. Destin, you have. So um, if you have not watched or re slash read Destin's preview, either in article form or video form, I do encourage you to do that. Uh, there's going to be some footage playing during this because we have some points to make. But Destin, do you kind of want to just give the quick summary of your impressions of playing this thing? Yeah. Uh, and then we'll kind of talk more about everything. Yeah. So, I mean, the long and the short of it is I, I do think there were genuine story moments that made me laugh. Like the, the, the team camaraderie is really well-developed in a way where there are fun moments in the story and their quips in the cutscene areas are pretty good. The open world though, it's fairly open and you're constantly fighting these purple characters, at least in early game. And, and that got repetitive real quick. The mission structure is all the tired true types. You corrected my script. I, I called them tropes, but, uh, it's a lot of the stuff that you've done in these other games, like defend a point from waves of enemies or go collect thing and then turn it in at a point. And you're just doing that against these, these purple uh, villains, right? Which are human beings that the justice league morphed into these monsters basically. Right. And basically purple issues? zombies, purple kind of. zombies. Or, yeah. 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 <laughs> but like, you still see, and I talk about it in my preview, the Justice League, like, m murdering people. <laughs> like, murdering civilians and such, right? And I'm just like, there's no way that this sticks. Like, 
let's let's say kill the justice league actually happens and you kill the justice league and suicide squad kill the justice league where does that leave us in this in this world right so okay all of our favorite heroes are dead we get to play as these four characters i i just i i don't see how that sticks i feel like they do like a time reversal mechanic or something to get past all the story stuff here i'm what trying about the, what about the gameplay itself though so, yeah you know, so that's... here in in this specific segment i'm trying to illustrate that you're constantly getting knocked back and knocked out of your flow by very poorly telegraphed attacks right or when I hit the plant, for example, like I am a notable distance away from the plant and I just kind of get hit and it does this sort of animation and you're, you're constantly being just knocked out of a good flow of combat. I do want to say, though, I'm worried that part of that was because there were some tech issues on site. So when we were playing, it would be like 10 minutes of gameplay, stop down, do something else. And that's why I included footage that wb had sent clearly labeled as footage provided by pr of yep. a of a player who had a lot more time on it uh, specifically this segment right here and it looks like they're having they've obviously had much more experience than i had and and they make the shark look pretty cool i'm hopeful that my experience when i can just sit down and start at the beginning and play through to chapter three gives me a better grasp on how all things fit together because when you start looking at all the systems that are available to you, we just didn't have adequate time to really dive into them. There are traversal mods, shield mods, grenade mods, afflictions, primary weapons, secondary weapons, skill trees, gear set bonuses, and all of those things have stat modifiers that you need to look at to figure out, okay, here's, here's my weapon. These are the stat modifiers I want to utilize to build a compelling build for this character. And... You know, I, I got to give the the people at the event a little bit of credit because they tried to set me up with one near the end uh, and I was starting to get into the flow of this like fire build. So I'm excited about that in terms of potential, because if they get that right, that could be like a big saving grace for Suicide Squad. But overall, uh, I'm very trepidatious going forward about this game. I'm worried it's just not going to be as it's not going to flow as well it's not going to be as smooth as the arkham games which are my like my favorite games of all time and you said in your preview that you left the preview event less optimistic than when you came in is that yeah yeah i, to, I yes i i desperately want to be wrong <laughs> i want to be wrong about this so bad uh some people have pointed out that the UI looks really cluttered to them. Apparently, a lot of people have commented online and on Twitter that there are things that can be adjusted about the UI. So take that into consideration. Like in this provided footage, people are like, this looks a little cleaner. I don't know if I agree with that, but maybe it does because they, they've modified it so like the damage numbers are like not there or not necessary or smaller or something. So it does seem like there are some customization options that again, didn't really get a ton of time to dive into. Yeah, that's I I made a list of notes, and that's just from again watching your preview, yeah, listening like, to you. This is reading. too much. I, I and that's yeah. on my list, but I want to let Stella talk because I'm I'm like over here basically like loading two shotgun shells into the barrel to 
get ready. Uh, this game, this game, like it just rubs me seriously the wrong way for a lot of reasons that are huh. that are both the game's fault and just sort of also circumstantial. But I want to let Stella talk for a while because there's, you know, Stella is a serious action gamer. Uh, she's used to playing live service games that are skill based that are played and meant to be enjoyed for extended periods of time. So Stella, I want to hear your thoughts on what you have seen and of, of Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League here and, and what you've heard from Destin. This week's podcast unlocked is brought to you by NordVPN. Hey, if you're watching a lot of sports like me and you hate blackouts, NordVPN is a great way to go. You can use NordVPN, a virtual private network, to watch live sporting events, TV shows, films that aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country that is showing that event. No more blackouts. It's also good for plenty of other stuff like protecting your private data, your bank details, your passwords, your online identity. You can protect your data while you're traveling and using public Wi-Fi. NordVPN protects you wherever you are in the world. NordVPN threat protection also protects you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. NordVPN is also the fastest VPN in the world. No buffering or lagging while you're streaming, and it will stop your ISP bandwidth throttling. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, so that is a super affordable, great way to go. To get the best discount off of your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash Unlocked without the E. That's N O R D V P N dot com slash U N L O C K D. And that'll give you four extra months on the two year plan. And best of all, there's no risk with Nord's 30 day money back guarantee. NordVPN.com slash unlocked without the E. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so Red Dustin's preview, which also, I, I found that the YouTube title, the video title was really funny with the exclamation point, and we didn't like it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. You added that. I I, I added that, that because my first upload had an error in it, so we had to. I re-uploaded it, and I'm like to differentiate. <laughs> I'll put an exclamation that. point on the end. <laughs> this this the file, and uh, oh people were like, the review was too mean. So we had no. I made a mistake in the export. That was correct. That's actually like, really yeah. funny. Yeah.
Um, yeah, I mean, it looks really cool. I really want this to be good because it seems like such a fun co-op game to play. But looking at the gameplay, it's definitely very clustered. It's very messy. It could be done really well in a fun sort of comic style, which is what I think they were aiming for. But I think it just wasn't exactly what they thought it was going to look like or what players would like. Um, I, in reading your preview, I, I know that you were pretty... Um, yeah, the open world you had some issues with too. Um, but with once you said you jumped into chapter three, it gives you complete build control, which is really cool. And I think yeah. that's the part that I'm most interested in. Me too. Because the whole Yeah. Because <laughs> like that's something that players are absolutely going to mess around with. Like that's the best part of like cyberpunk, right? Messing with your build and having full control over how exactly you want to play. Obviously, with these set characters, they have certain strengths. And weaknesses which is really cool so when you pick your character it's different but i really want to know more about that because that's really going to set the tone for me and who i play if i play um yeah and it's so interesting in me playing red dead yesterday someone asked me like how i had never played this game before and i was like well you know sometimes i get turned off by open world games which in this case it could totally happen because it seems like there's just a lot of filler there's a lot of stuff that doesn't really seem to lend much to the story and that's like what i'm very afraid of it looks cool the world looks cool but the combat looks a little weird and um obviously i haven't played so i can't speak much on it but with i love souls games i love remnant you know so and a part of those games is being able to see the bosses like telegraph movement like destin said and if it's poorly telegraphed then you don't really stand a chance of feeling like you're good at gameplay which is going to keep a lot of players from playing it um so do you i actually have a question do you feel like if they tuned the telegraphing if they were able to I don't know, like really showcase when, oh, this boss is going to do a sweeping move or whatever, or um, do a long, long shot. Like, do you think that would make gameplay better for you? Well, I think that the fight they demoed is just not a great fight. I, okay. I just think the flash fight was tedious. People were like, oh, you thought the flash was too fast. No, I said it's an, an annoying <laughs> fight. Obviously, he's the flash who's yeah. going to be fast. But it's like you shoot him for a little bit, and then he teleports away. And then you shoot him for a little, port, little bit, and he teleports away. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to counter to build up this mechanic where you can stun him for, like, a second. But it doesn't even last that long. So, like, yeah... I just wish there was like a longer DPS phase or something like that. Cause yeah. even if you look at the provided footage in my preview, he's just trying to shoot the flash and it's annoying. Like it's not fun. And there's, then he makes tornadoes. So there's tornadoes all over that you got to like dodge. So yeah, it's not my, it was like not my favorite. Yeah, I feel like a better version of stunning the Flash would be really cool. Like, I feel like a lot of people struggle with, even in movies and shows, they struggle with showing speedy type heroes, right? Yeah. But a really cool way would have been like, hey, he runs at you, you have to parry him. And then if you parry him while he's running at you at the speed of light, like, you can stun him. And that would be way cooler because then it feels I way more interactive. I think that's what they're going for because he does this blue, okay. they do, he does this blue attack. And if your thing's charged up, you parry him. And then, he kind of runs a little slower at that That's point, it? right? That's so, it. so you can DPS um, for a little bit. The more I look at the footage, I'm like, I get what they're going for. Yeah, I don't know. It's it just I didn't have fun with the fight, and I and I think it's like a design challenge mm. that the team might might have had, but I don't know. 
I'm, I'm so intrigued and I want to play this because I want to know what it feels like. Obviously, I can't, I can't really speak to it. Just seeing it visually, it's very different from playing it and feeling frustrated. Um, yeah, it seems like the open world also makes fights seem a lot more tedious because you obviously have to move around to get closer. Uh, and then, yeah, the bosses seem to move around a lot as well, especially with like the flash, but also just running into things. Like it seems very frustrating. Um, I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the numbers pop, the damage numbers popping up, which I'm sure you can also adjust in the settings. But I think that in particular is the aspect that I was saying, oh, they probably tried to make it look more comic book style because it does look like that, but it just takes up so much room on the screen. I have this very same issue with uh, Modern Warfare and Warzone. Like every time you get, you do something, it pops up and I'm like, oh my God, please move. I can't see the person I'm shooting at. Please get off my screen. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um... Shall I shall I go now? Go around. Yes, go please. So uh, our super producer Red, if you wouldn't mind putting up more, put just put the footage back up, and then if you could get Batman Arkham Knight footage at the ready, because I want to make a couple points. Yeah, here. go get my hundred X combo from one of the Batman games. Uh, right. So obviously, <laughs> cutscene here we're looking at if you're watching us on video, but uh, we'll get it'll get to gameplay. It'll loop back to that in a second. So but the character models look great. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so let me start with the UI, uh, the, the word, look at this. Can you pause it right now? Red, just pause it. Look at this. Uh, the <laughs> so word those you are used... your team members. Those are your charges. That's how many rounds you're on. You have your shield in your health. You have whatever this X6 oh my is. God. You have all your buffs and debuffs over here. You have your weapon, your melee weapon, your grenade your type. Map, your you... ones. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Stella, you used it... the word cluster. The word I would use would be cluster fuck, because that is what it's, this UI. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. I wasn't sure if we were allowed it is, to. <laughs> it is a disaster. This and uh, Red, if you would now flip back to Batman for me for a minute, let's look at the beautiful minimalist UI of Rocksteady's own Batman Arkham Knight in just a second. I know it's uh, you just passed the Red, so it's just back. Got to, uh, he's got a. I'm really kind of making him dance here. You're, um, yeah, you're testing his, his super. <laughs> I feel bad. It'll be it'll be up in a second. I think he's got to queue it up again. It's um, less. That's what Ryan's yeah, getting at. There, if you look at the UI for Batman Arkham Knight, it is beautifully minimalist. Mm. Now I realize that's a single player game. It's not a multiplayer game. This is of course cutscene, but it, it should roll around to to some gameplay here in a second. Um, but point being. Super minimalist, beautiful UI uh, that did not get in your, here you go. And this is even from a, a camera. Like, okay, so you go back to uh, this, this Batmobile gameplay. Mm. And if, if you get back to just, even, even in the Batmobile, that, there's not much wow. going yeah. on. And then when you get on foot, when you pop out of the Batmobile, which I, I know happens at some point during this footage, <laughs> same thing. There's just, it is, there's not a lot of intrusiveness going on. Yeah, that uh, one's that one's been a point oh. of contention. Some people feel like it's fine, but some people feel like it's massive sensory overload. Like it's just it's way it's too ridiculous. much. It's ridiculous. It's, it's a lot. No. Yeah. Um, so here's the combat from Arkham Knight. Uh, so nice. Now, um, the the next point I want to point of comparison between Rocksteady's own last game and this game is the art direction and specifically the location. So this is an indoor location, but a minute ago there was some. Arkham Knight footage out in Gotham City. So uh, the, 
Arkham, if you, excuse me, Gotham, if you look at Gotham City, it is, uh, it is just, it's stunning. It's gorgeous. It, it is so, it has so much personality just moving around Gotham City, the way it's lit, the way the building architecture is, it is awesome to look at. And if we were, and he's, Red's going to like want to punch me in the face when this is over. Uh, if we if we were to go back to uh, Suicide Squad and the and Metropolis, which is where Suicide Squad is set, I watched all of your footage, Destin, and it just looks absolutely generic. It looks just drab and dull and boring. There is nothing there. This looks this is this is Crackdown Three with superhero skins in it. This is just not it's it's not an interesting location from everything that I've seen here. There so, there, there is a night cycle. That's cool. Yeah. yeah I saw some <laughs> some nighttime footage in your in your footage earlier. Ryan's like that's nice. <laughs> yeah. It's you know, I acknowledge it, but mm-hmm. um you know, Destin already hit on the purple blob thing, which we've already talked about from whenever the last gameplay showcase with this was. The purple blob zombie generic nonsense and it's just this what it comes down to for me and i know i've said this before but i feel just even more strongly about it now after after destin has played it and conveyed his impressions of it is I, i just i'm so disappointed that that this is what the super talented people at rocksteady that we've waited eight years, almost nine, actually. It'll be nine in June, so it'll it'll come out after like eight and three-quarter years or something. Such a long wait from Rocksteady's last game to this one. And it's not, I'm not trying to say that they should have just made another Batman game. Like, they told their Batman story, they were done. But uh, this is just not, this live service, generic gameplay, UI nightmare, boring city, I'm just so disappointed and underwhelmed by everything that I've seen here. And am I going to play it? Yes, because I'm ripping it so hard here. <laughs> I, I owe it to this game to play. Yeah, there's I, I, I will absolutely do. I mean, it, it's it's rock steady. Like, I'm not going to completely write it off without playing it. But I, I just could not be less uh, could not be more pessimistic or less optimistic, however you want to phrase it. I, I'm I'm not in a good place with this game. After almost nine years, I feel like another thing I didn't really cover off on in the preview is just sort of like general traversal. Like a shark, you you like have to constantly land on the ground, jump in the air, and then you dash, dash. Traversal feels unnecessarily comp- not complicated. It's not the right word. Just like tedious. Like just let me go from point A to point B. Like. <laughs> jump and dash all the way there or something like that. maybe there'll be powers later but like you have a jetpack on on deathstroke and he can only go a little bit and then he has to reboot it so there's like a mechanic just flying from point a to point b they all the characters have different mechanics just for general traversal right. and i'm just like why like how does that improve the gameplay experience i so i don't know if that's just like player interest or something like that but i i was just thinking about it i'm like why do I need to do all this just to go over there? You know? Yeah. No, Cause Batman has a grappling hook, so you can build the whole traverse yeah. around that. 
in Ark in the Arkham series, you would just glide, you could speed boost, you could like zip up and through. Like it was really, really fun and they eased you into it. And this one it just feels like it's not as it doesn't flow as well. And and things just don't flow well, or at least in my experience, did not flow well together. And that that was one of my bigger challenges with the entire gameplay session. Now, what do you think go ahead, they went it. wrong? Like, because obviously the previous games they had combat down, they had all these different interactions down. Because I, I know there's so much praise for the Arkham games, I got to play them. But where do you think they went wrong with this? Is it because they opened it up to co-op? Is it because they want to try to keep up with like the live service games out here that that I, have this sort of element? Well, I, I would just say that I'm personally going to wait to say that they went wrong until after I get to experience it in a, in my home setting versus a preview setting that was really, uh, fractured for lack of a better term. There was a lot of like, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. Mm -hmm. I think about my destiny preview for destiny Two launch. They let us play for a whole day campaign, whatever we want to do from start to finish long as you want to play you come in in the morning you play as long as you want and you you come back the next day and we do multiplayer right that that was great games like this do not work well where it's fractured right you need to pick a character learn that character mess around with your stats really get in the nitty-gritty the stuff that you and i are excited about and that just wasn't an opportunity we had at this event and that's unfortunate I would say, Stella, that a, a common community thought on this, which I share, is, and again, we don't know for sure until we get either like an investigative journalistic report or somebody at WB or Rocksteady just comes out and says it, but the common hypothesis, shall we say, is that uh, WB because basically made them do a live service game, said, hey, we want... The, the long tail revenue of a live service game. So you guys, you're going to, you know, you can work with whatever DC thing you want because we own you. WB owns Rocksteady. They purchased them, if I remember correctly, after Arkham Asylum, after the first one. Uh, so you're going to, you're playing in our sandbox, but you guys can use whatever you want, but it's got to be a live service thing. And I think, I think Rocksteady has earned the benefit of the doubt that it wasn't necessarily their decision to do that because of the talent they showed us with the Batman Arkham games that I think the, the natural the natural thinking is just that well the corporate overlords made them do it for money uh, for to, to chase that trend and Destin you and I were talking uh, yesterday that you know the reality is that this game in some way shape or form it's been over eight years now they probably haven't been working on the thing we're actually getting for eight years, because that's just a really, really long time. It's maybe more likely that they had something going, whether it was a Suicide Squad project or something else entirely, and then scrapped it, started over, and and then we're getting what we're getting. But like eight years ago, Destin, like Destiny was flying super high, right? And, and a yeah. lot of publishers were we're trying to chase that like you know ubisoft with with the division right is anthem. that is that, a, is that fair to say oh like, absolutely we had anthem we had marvel's avengers both those games are dead 
Yeah. And I have to wonder if, based on just like how long it takes to make these games, Rocksteady was trying to get in on it. But today, it is a very, very different landscape than it was then. And they're already saying stuff like, oh, you're going to be able to play offline. We're going to like, we're going to fix that. And it seems like they're making adjustments now for the longevity of the game and to adjust from this sort of uh, uh, lack of interest in these type of experiences it just seems like even destiny is struggling right now destiny just had a huge amount of layoffs after thinking they were going to have they had a 40 percent revenue miss 40 percent so like somebody at that company was making ridiculous projections for some reason and i have to wonder if this this market has just drastically changed since this game started development and i think it's really telling that well i have to to say this in a fair way, because we don't, again, we don't know the whole story, but I do think one way or the other, it's pretty telling that the two co-founders of Rocksteady, the studio heads, Sefton Hill and Jamie Walker, left the studio last year. Now, I think I have one theory on this, and I was talking to one of our other editors who had another theory that I think is equally valid, and it's possible that neither one of us is right. It's possible that they just decided to move on and thought, well, we don't really want to do the DC thing for the rest of our lives. So we did that for a while and it was cool, but now we want to do our own thing. But the two theories that I'll throw out, uh, the one that is maybe the more pessimistic one, uh, is, <laughs> is, uh, is that these guys saw the writing on the wall that this game was not going to land well, and they wanted to get out before it came out so that when they inevitably go to start a new studio and they're talking to venture capitalists trying to get funding or other publishers looking for funding that they can go yeah we're the we're the batman arkham guys uh and not and not have those people at the on the other end of the table go didn't you guys do that suicide squad thing so it it is a little telling that they left when they left the other theory uh, that another IGN colleague brought up, which I think, again, is equally valid, is that this thing, Suicide Squad's been taking so long that WB, the suits at WB, pushed Sefton and Jamie out because they just weren't getting the thing out that, that WB needs to make them money, uh, that it's been so long. So I, I think either one of those scenarios is possible. Oh. It's not necessarily one or the other. It's not that much of a zero-sum game. It could, like I said, they could have just decided to move on and, and creatively wanted to, to go in a new direction in their careers. But it is a little telling, I think, that, that they left when they did. Even Sony started to go all in on games as a service. They wanted like 20 of these games. And since Jim Ryan left, they're like, yeah, we're scaling that way back. Like that... Bubble does feel like it has burst, and I have to wonder if WB is like, we need to cash in now because this thing's going away. Last point I wanted to make on this uh, before we move on to our next topic is the uh, the history of this. And Destin, you've already kind of touched on it a little bit, with certainly Destiny being the shining example. There is kind of a graveyard of other developers who have been have made great great single player games that went the live service route and it did not go well um so the, like the, the degree of difficulty in what Rocksteady is attempting to do here 
is historically proven to be really tough. So, yeah. uh, you, you mentioned Destiny. That's one of the success stories. There are a few success stories. Bungie, of course, going from Halo, which, yes, of course, had multiplayer, but was not a live service game. Uh, I'll give you the other success stories. Rare with Sea of Thieves. It's okay. been a long road, but they have built that into an extraordinarily successful live service game. 30 million players. Starbreeze, we talked about them earlier. Of course, the the uh, original crew, the Riddick crew left, the core of them left and, and went to machine games. But the folks that remained at Starbreeze had been making single player games like Riddick, like some other stuff. And they uh, have been extraordinarily successful with the Payday franchise. Well, Payday, nah. Okay, I know the new one yeah. is, but they've, they've <laughs> yeah. made it. Like, yeah. One and two were really successful. You would not mm. argue with that, right? I, I don't think. No. But the, the graveyard list that I was hinting at, Lionhead tried to turn Fable into a 4v1 multiplayer game, and it cost the studio its existence because the, into, the entire studio had been pivoted to be to have... The talent there was there to make 4v1 multiplayer. Why did and that so, trend exist? Because of Evolve? Because Evolve was popular well, for like a year? But Evolve Evolve never really took off either. Like No, Evolve it was popular really in, in Alpha and Beta, and then it came out and it died. No. Yeah, it I, did not. I liked that game. Um, so, yeah, like, now, thankfully, that didn't cost Turtle Rock their existence, but it, yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, it was a painful lesson. But Lionhead, it... it, it the whole studio folded directly because of those decisions made to try and pivot Fable, uh, a well-known single-player franchise, into a, a, a multi ongoing multiplayer game. Uh, most recently, The Last of Us multiplayer, which did not reach release, uh, Naughty Dog went ahead and canceled it, obviously. So, you know, they, they probably wisely cut their losses on that before taking it to the finish line. Uh, Redfall, I know it's not a live service game, but there were plenty of reports, investigative reports in the, in the wake of Redfall's disastrous release. I think it's fair to call it disastrous that the studio just, that a lot of the development struggles with Redfall were because this was a single player expertise in the studio that was trying to do something, trying to make a multiplayer game, which they'd never done before. Uh, Babylon's Fall, Platinum, that didn't go well. Marvel's oh, Avengers, Destin already mentioned. Uh, you could throw Outriders in there. People can fly. Uh, they've made a number of good single-player games. You know, maybe, they're, they're maybe not the highest-profile developer on this list, but you could throw that one in. And then uh, another one Destin had mentioned is Anthem. Yeah. That's, that's a, another big example of a single-player studio that had built its entire name making great single player games that uh, it cost that studio dearly uh, with, with the lack of success of Anthem. So it's a tough road to try and do this. And I'm not saying they shouldn't, that you should just do the same thing over and over again and until, you, until your career, until you retire. Like, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just suggesting that this trend, chasing this trend, the live service thing is really hard. Is yeah. really, really hard. Even Bungie's struggling, and they're considered a success. So, I agree. All right. Uh, I think we just did, like, half an hour plus on Suicide Squad, which, 
I do feel kind of bad about just because the game's not out yet. Like this, but it's a, it's a high profile game from a high profile studio that we've been looking forward to their game for years and years and years. And we finally got to play it. And I think it's fair to say what we think. And so we've done that. And now, now we wait till it comes out and we'll all play it. And then we'll, we'll inevitably talk some more suicide squad in February. Once we've all had a chance to sit down with the final version of it and, We'll see where where we all land with the final game. All right. Uh, one more topic. Let's see. We have about 10 minutes left. Ugh, man, we need a two-hour show today. So let's 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 try and do this somewhat concisely. And I'm I'm speaking mostly to myself because I'm I have diarrhea of the mouth. I just keep going. Ew. <laughs> 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 uh hi-fi rush last year's shadow drop wonderful surprise at the x at the first xbox developer direct is now heavily rumored to be coming out for the switch so uh, this has ignited quite the debate in the community about microsoft's strategy with exclusives uh steven Tatillo and jeff grubb separately also confirmed that another game in discussion is Sea of Thieves coming to PlayStation 5 and Switch in addition to this Hi-Fi Rush rumor. So it's, it's Hi-Fi Rush and Sea of Thieves, and I just wanted to make sure that uh, we're not just referencing like Nate the Hate and the other people that initially began this conversation because it- A lot of chatter. Th there's even more chatter as a little update. Uh, the rumors came just two months after Xbox's CFO, Tim Stewart, said Microsoft wants to bring first-party games to, quote, every screen that can play games, including rival consoles. Tim saying, quote, it's a bit of a change of strategy. This was, uh, he was saying, giving a, an address at the Wells Fargo TMT Summit in it's November. Yeah. yeah, he said, uh, so not that long ago, just in November. Yeah. He said, not announcing anything broadly here, but our mission is to bring our first party experiences and our subscription services every screen that can play games. That means smart TVs, that means mobile devices, that means what we would have thought of as competitors in the past, like PlayStation and Nintendo. Now, again, we're, we've got about five minutes, uh, so I'm gonna cede the floor because I've been yapping a lot. <laughs> I've also said my piece on this on Twitter. Stella, how do you cool. feel about a, uh, in Hi-Fi Rush's case, a year-old exclusive going to the Switch? And how do you feel about Sea of Thieves, an ongoing game that's still fresh with content today, but that came out seven years ago, six years ago? How do you feel about these games potentially heading away from Xbox and to other platforms? I think it's great. I think a year is a great time to let other players enjoy it. And I mean, here's the thing, if it, if it does well, and I know a lot of people really like these games, I mean, Sea of Thieves still has a consistent number of players on it, uh, constantly getting updates, and people loved Hi-Fi Rush. I, it just means that there's going to be more support for you to voice your desire for a sequel or another game in, in the same um, world. So I feel like it's a great thing, but I'm also that kind of person who doesn't really I know I'm on an Xbox podcast, but I'm really like, you know, if you can game on any platform, like say you prefer PlayStation or Nintendo Switch, do it. 
it's fine. We, we want to talk more games with other people. And I keep saying this because um, I reported on this on The Fix earlier this week and people were like, oh, well, this wasn't really an exclusive. It was on PC too. And it's like, yeah, I listen, Xbox and PC are now becoming very synonymous. There are a lot of games on Xbox that are now just yeah. on PC the same day it launches. Every first party fine. Xbox game is on PC yeah. on day one. It's like, Every that's single fine. One. You can't just, so it's like, yeah, that's great. Don't you think it's a good thing? And don't you think that it means that Xbox games are so successful that they're like extending the reach to other players so they can also enjoy it? I don't think it's a bad thing letting people enjoy games together. So for me, I'm happy about it. Destin, your thoughts here. Yeah, I don't know if you can hear my son. He's like freaking out right outside the door oh, for some reason. Uh, he's okay. He's fine. Uh, yes, uh, I don't care if they come to other platforms. I don't think it. I think it's going to be a good thing for Xbox actually because more people are going to buy their game. The idea of PlayStation needing to pay Xbox money to, to have the game on their platform seems like a, a good strategy, especially for legacy content. Like PlayStation right now is scrambling, not scrambling, but they're trying to develop a plan to bring their games to PC, right? And Xbox is trying to figure out how to bring their content to Switch and PlayStation. People really, really care about their consoles, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and they've invested in them, right? That's yeah, fair. They, they've invested in them, but I don't think it detracts from your ability to play that game, but it does detract from your ability to say oh we have all these exclusives or something like i i don't think it it matters xbox has said we lost the console war they've said so many times now that that's not the, the game that they're worried about it's about the xbox ecosystem so like this is just good news to me but everybody's super upset about it yeah i mean i'm with you i mean th this to me it's th the key pieces of this are like it it would be one thing if these were day and date dropping on, if Microsoft was just going basically practically fully third party and saying, well, everything on day of release, we're just going to put it out on, on all the platforms. They're not doing that. Like Hi-Fi Rush has been out for a year. Sea of Thieves has been out for many years. Yeah. Xbox fans have had a chance to enjoy this for free, I remind you, if you're a Game Pass subscriber. It's, it, it didn't cost you anything else on top of the subscription you're already maintaining. And you still can. And you still can, right, it's still there. So that's what they're after. They are building ecosystems more than just individual platforms. So Phil yeah, Spencer, I, after the Tim Stewart thing, Phil Spencer did say that Game Pass isn't coming to other platforms. Yeah. But he didn't say anything about the games. Right. So if you wanna pay $60, $40, $60 for Sea of Thieves on PlayStation, go for it. That sounds great. <laughs> I'll I'll use my Game Pass subscription to play those when I want to. Yeah. 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 So if they're going to throw year old stuff onto the Switch, that that's fine. I don't see the problem with that. It's really, yeah, it's like, cool, enjoy. And like Stella said, maybe we get a sequel out of it if, if it gets like enough of a second life that, that, you know, Microsoft and Tango go, all right, cool. All right, I guess we'll make another one of those because we've now sold much more copies of this thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I get that people are passionate, but, uh, and, and a lot of the comments that I've seen on Twitter in response to my post have been, well, why is Microsoft even making a console? Why should I even play there? It's like, they're, they're, just, they're just giving you Xbox as one option. 
you can go to PC. You can, and if if you want to wait long enough, I guess sure, don't buy an Xbox and you can play Hi-Fi Rush on the Switch a year later. But something tells me you're you're going to be there. You're going to still have an Xbox and play it on day one, free with your Game Pass subscription. All right, uh, we could that could be like a whole show unto itself, I think. But we do need to get rolling. Stella, anything to plug before we get out of here? Uh, ooh, ooh, what am I doing? Um, oh, we have cool projects coming up on guides, but as I've said, ooh, please read my article. Sorry, I, God, it's been a week. <laughs> um, it's the first full week back after a long vacation. Um, but yeah, so I reported on the microtransactions that the latest Apex event has, and it is pretty bad. So please check out that article because I spent a lot of time researching the full amount of what it would cost to buy everything in that uh, event. So, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, I, I saw there's there's like a 300 something dollar thing in there. Is that right? That one of the it's pieces? It's not quite, but lot of the money. pricing is not accurate to everything that they offer. So, yes. Oh, boy. All right. Good stuff. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I was thinking ahead, you know, as 2024 got started last week, I was thinking ahead going, oh, Halo 2 is going to turn 20 this year. And Halo 2 is one of my favorite games ever. It's probably my single favorite multiplayer game of all time. So I wrote, I, I kind of jumped the gun and wrote like an early happy anniversary <laughs> column about Halo 2 that's on IGN. It's the, it, you know, we do a weekly unlocked column. One of, one of the three of us writes it every week. So I, I wrote about, I just got a little uh, nostalgic for Halo 2 last week. So if you'd like to bask in some, in some lovely Halo 2 nostalgia, you can go over to IGN.com and do that. Otherwise, I want to thank our awesome producer, Red. I know I kept him uh, very much on his toes this week, for which I apologize. Uh, but uh, we had points to make, darn it, and we did. So uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to Red for producing. Thank you, Stella and Destin. And we will see you all next week for the, oh, yeah, Developer Direct Live. Uh, so join us noon Pacific yeah. live on Great IGN. Great promo, Ryan. Nailed it. Hashtag nailed it. <laughs> hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.